Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In today's special episode, we sat down with Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy. He sheds light on tech-based hybrid warfare, what hybrid warfare is, and how technology is integrated. Here's more. Rex, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. So right now there's a lot of talk that we're in a second Cold War, this time with communist China instead of the Soviet Union. So to begin, how has warfare changed since the first Cold War, or has it? Yeah, warfare's changed a lot. Today what we're seeing is really a stealth war to begin with before a shooting war. And uh, it's all associated with unrestricted hybrid warfare, which is, which was actually waged against the West in the mid-90s by China. And what that means is that this is warfare without rules where everybody's a target. And that's slowly evolving to our tech, which, which I'd like to talk a little bit about today, uh, which is tech-based hybrid warfare, where our connected devices and our, our connected uh, uh, infrastructure um, is all being weaponized uh, and used to launch various cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, as well as to conduct espionage and or surveillance on people. So it sounds like unrestricted, including tech warfare, involves things that we don't normally think of as warfare, so not the usual missiles and bombs. So how does the tech play in? What are some examples of that? Well, tech-based hybrid warfare is simply a subcategory of unrestricted hybrid warfare. A little bit of history on that uh, unrestricted hybrid warfare is based on fifth century BC Chinese military strategist and general uh, Sun Tzu's The Supreme Art of War. Sun Tzu said the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Um, and this we're seeing today. It's not only affecting us with our tech, but uh, how China is gaining influence uh, over uh, industries, as well as corporations, elected officials, and governments, and so forth, is they're doing it through money. You know, I've often said that uh, China's weapon of mass destruction is the U.S. dollar. Uh, the more wealthier China gets from U.S. markets and partnerships, global partnerships with global corporations that do business in China, uh, the more they can fund their military with that uh, money. But what they're also doing is they're utilizing that money as a means to infiltrate all sorts of institutions, corporations, and government. And uh, we see that today all over the world. We see it really uh, in uh, what we considered third world countries before, which China is uh, gaining a foothold in, such as Africa. And people say, what's the big deal about that? Well, if you look at the new Silk Highway, uh, it runs through Africa back into Asia. And as we migrate towards green technology, we see that 95% of all cobalt, which is key to green technologies being mined in Africa by Chinese interests. And we're seeing this with lithium as well as now we're seeing it with microchips. China's trying to get uh, again a, a, a foothold in microchips, which Taiwan plays a big part in that. So all of this is connected and you know, really, if you if you drop bombs and shoot bullets, you really have nothing left but infrastructure to rebuild. So it's better it's better to fight this war through financial means first, um, as a way to be able to gain uh, control as well as gain power 
uh, financially and economically around the world. And that's that's what we're seeing uh, involving China and unrestricted hybrid warfare, which then is also related to tech-based hybrid warfare and how China is now weaponizing our endpoint devices like smartphones, tablet PCs, connected vehicles, and so forth um, against their adversaries. And Rex, expanding on that, it seems recently there's a headline saying the head of the DHS is warning nations not to accept telecoms or tech help from China. So to begin, why would a country accept tech help or telecoms from China? And secondly, what are the dangers here? Well, the dangers are uh, with telecom infrastructure. Today, everything is wireless and Huawei leads regarding uh, 5G infrastructure. Um, Huawei, a, a few short years ago, was considered a national security threat. So the United States tele, telecom uh, companies were really not necessarily restricted, but were warned not to use any Huawei infrastructure because it poses a national security threat. We saw this with ByteDance's TikTok. That was also uh, labeled a, nation, a national security threat because basically all social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, TikTok or Instagram are surveillance and data mining platforms that utilize social media as a means for the developer to surveil and data mine the end user for financial gain. So, and, and what that means is that if you download Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to your phone, you're also going to be giving up all of your personal and business information that you that's associated with the use of that device to these companies. So this is why they were labeled a national security threat a few short years ago. And as a matter of fact, uh, last June, in June of 2021, uh, Biden administration repealed the executive orders dating back to the Obama administration and the Trump administration, enabling ByteDance and Huawei to freely do business in the United States. And on the point of, say, these apps, for example, how exactly are they surveillance tools? What kind of information can they get? Well, what people don't realize that any, any app, whether it's developed by Google, ByteDance from China, Badu from China, which is an Android app developer and a Google partner, or Prisma Labs from Russia, which is the most popular uh, photo editing app in the world, which is Prisma Photo Editor, um, any of these apps are basically legal malware. All apps today do, all apps today enable the developers to surveil and data mine the end user. Now, unlike 10 years ago, when somebody was on Facebook, Facebook was able to surveil and data mine them while they were on Facebook going through the URL. But as of 2011, 12, and 13, when social media started to proliferate to mobile devices supporting a, a, a Facebook app, the surveillance and data mining is done through the app itself and not while you're online. So that means that when you're off of Facebook, the Facebook app is still surveilling and data mining you. This is the same for TikTok, which is a Chinese app. This is one of the reasons why countries like India has banned these apps. So when you're not on these platforms, yet you're out having dinner with your friends and having a conversation about something, these apps enable the developers to control the microphone and the camera. And a lot of times people come home or when they go back on their Facebook uh, page or their TikTok page, they start to see ad advertisements uh, associated with the conversations that they have. That's because they're being reported 24 by 7, 365 days a year. The other issue with an app is that it enables the developer to data mine over 5,000 highly confidential data points 
associated with the end user's personal information, business information, medical information, legal information, and employment information. A lot of people don't realize that the app permissions, when you click on I agree to accept that, intru that uh, uh, intrusive uh, terms of use that support the apps, as soon as you click on I agree, you're enabling that developer to collect your text messages, your SMS messages, your emails, including a, a, a email attachments, your calendar events, including attachments, your location data, and so forth. So what you're basically enabling the developer to do when you click on I agree is you're enabling them to surveil and data mine you for profits. If you don't agree to it, then often you can't use the products. Even the operating systems that support our computers like the Android OS, Apple iOS, and Microsoft Windows 8, 10, and 11 OS, if you don't accept those intrusive uh, terms of use and those predatory terms of use, then your devices become a brick. You actually cannot use your technology. So you're forced into this intrusive and uh, exploitive uh, business model, which is called predatory surveillance and data mining business practices. So you're actually being forced into it. Otherwise, you can't use the products and services that you're, you're buying today, especially connected technology. Anything supported by the Android OS, Apple iOS, or Microsoft Windows 8, 10, and 11 OS, which is also supported by intrusive apps. And Rex, and the skeptics might argue that, you know, this is part of doing business. What kind of information can they even get? Is it even that serious? What would you say to them? Well, we're seeing a lot of attacks today. Um, and let's get back to tech-based hybrid warfare because what I just said is very relevant to that. It's not just the amount of surveillance and data mining that these companies can conduct on you through the apps. It's the fact that these apps today support operating systems. I call them leaky operating systems like the Android OS, Apple iOS, and Microsoft Windows 8, 10, 11 OS. They're built on an open API architecture. I don't want to get too technical here, but what that means, an open API ar architecture enables surveillance and data mining to be conducted on that device before it was a closed API architecture where your devices were secure and you had control over what was pre-installed onto your device. You can turn it off or uninstall it. You can't do that today. The open API architecture also lends itself to the ability for nation state hackers to launch attacks on networks, including critical infrastructure. We just saw this last week in LA um, uh, with LAX airport. Uh, O'Hare Airport, Orlando was also attacked in Phoenix. These all all of these airports were attacked simultaneously, uh, which would which they were attacked by a DDoS attack or a denial distributed a distributed denial of service attack that came up through computers that populated uh, the networks, the critical infrastructure for those airports. As it turns out, the computers were described as zombie computers, meaning that once the hackers got in, they could control the computers, even though the computers were owned by the airports. Uh, they Once they gained control of them, they could, they could uh, uh, launch bots that automatically used the computers to do a DDoS attack on the network, bringing the, the websites down to these airports. We saw this with solar winds. We were seeing this with Colonial Pipelines and uh, other uh, major attacks that have happened around the world. We saw it in Saudi Arabia with two oil refineries that were attacked through the Microsoft Windows uh, 8, 10, and 11 operating systems. Um, Aramco, Saudi Aramco was also attacked, 30,000 workstations. And what's happening is the computers 
Today, uh, the hackers can exploit vulnerabilities in the operating systems to launch the malware in the OS, which means that the attacks are coming from the inside. IBM's 2022 breach report states that 95% of all attacks today and breaches are human error or insider attacks. 23% of those attacks are coming from the supply chain, which is more than likely how these computers are being affected, which is coming up through the supply chain. You put the computer out there and then the malware can sit there for 12 to 18 months, 24 months, however many months that the hackers want it to sit out there. And then they can do a coordinated attack all at once. We saw this with solar winds where 18,000 corporations were hit and multiple governments were hit simultaneously through these types of attacks. That was Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy. After a quick break, we hear more from him on how a tech-based hybrid war would break out and what can be done. That's coming up in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. We continue our episode with Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy. He sheds light on how a tech-based hybrid warfare would play out and what can be done. Here's more. So on the supply chain part, is it that the hardware has anything to do with it or is it just that the software is infected and installed? Yeah, exactly. When the uh First of all, when you buy your devices, whether it's a smartphone, a tablet PC, a connected vehicle, or any any device support, any connected product supported by the Android OS, Apple iOS, and Microsoft Windows 8, 10, 11 OS, those, those operating systems, the pre-installed apps, have to be first installed on the devices. Within that, within that process leads the ability for that device to be infected by an insider and or the device itself could be manufactured in China um, and uh, the, the malware could already be in there uh, coming all the way from China hidden. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to happen from China. It's not always China. It could be Russia. It could be criminal actors. It could be any bad actor who understands the vulnerability within these uh, operating systems and these apps. Another thing is the actual apps that you're downloading from Google Play, Apple App Store, and Microsoft Windows 8, 10, and 11, I mean, and Microsoft Windows App Store, those apps that you're downloading from the app stores can also launch attacks on networks. Google has taken down hundreds, if not thousands, of these apps. Um, not only can they launch attacks on networks, the apps can be utilized to infect uh, the Android OS. Um, as a matter of fact, just two or three weeks ago, Google had an announcement that the Android OS, there was a malware out there uh, and it was affecting people's mobile wallets, giving the bad actors access to banking information. So it's not just attacks on networks. These bad actors can also gain financial information, gain access to banks, gain access to banking accounts and drain this money. Uh, digitally, as well as uh, a launch ransomware attacks and hold cities, governments, and corporations, um, um, hold them hostage until they get paid their ransom. So it's, it, it's a broad spectrum of attacks. This is actual warfare. We are at war and we're at cyber war, but it's unofficial because it hasn't been declared war yet, except for China did declare war on us in uh, 1995 or in the mid 90s when they uh, declared unrestricted hybrid warfare when they launched it against the West. 
And Rex, in our current life, it seems many parts are uh, in the electronic realm, right? You just mentioned the e-wallets, and now we have self-driving cars and, like, security systems. So going forward, how much damage could a tech hybrid warfare attack do? Like, how would we see that in our daily lives? Would our phones be taken over? How would that play out? Yeah, no, we're already seeing it. Like Google's announcement that uh, the Android OS could be infected. Users had to go back in and um, uh, install updates. Uh, we're seeing it today. Uh, Apple, sometimes uh, uh, they get impacted and then you have to do a software update. Um, the impacts could be minimal to the end user or they, or they can affect all end users and or people who depend on critical infrastructure such as the airports that I mentioned last week when they're hit through the operating system or a zombie computer um, where the malware was launched through the operating system, you're affected immediately. It's not only the airport uh, 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 people going to the airport, it's the airport security staff, it's the cost of all this, it's the uh, airports themselves, uh, all of the law enforcement agencies uh, that are involved. A single breach, according to the IBM 2022 um, breach report, a single breach on average worldwide costs $4.5 million just to investigate the breach. So if your company has a breach and it's caused through this operating system, you're financially impacted. You're on the hook for a minimum of $4.5 million and it could be higher. In the United States, the average breach is $10 million, according to the report. And this is less any legal fees for lawsuits and or harm that may come to those who are impacted. This is just strictly the cost to research the breach and find out who the perpetrators are or how the perpetrators got into the organization. It's very expensive. And of course, when that happens, what 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 is typically the response from the organization if it's a corporation? When it's impacted, that cost is passed down to the consumer and uh, we end up paying for it uh, anyways. So the, the cost is real, the damage is real to people. Some people may not be physically harmed, but they can be harmed financially um, in these things. Now, consider the Saudi attacks on the oil refineries. Had they been able to, they stopped the, they stopped the, the malware attack, but they traced it to the operating system, the Windows 10 operating system, the Saudi oil refineries that were impacted. Had they succeeded, they were turning off industrial control systems in that oil refinery, and they were trying to cause an explosion through the industrial control systems, which meant that if they did cause an explosion, it could have killed employees, but also released a poison gas that could have killed civilians as well. So these attacks are very real, and the threat is very real. And Rex, for the concerned citizen who wants to protect either their own privacy or make sure their money doesn't get stolen, where should they start in protecting their devices? We want to use our apps for convenience. Banking off of a banking app is convenient, but sometimes I don't want that convenience. So I don't, I don't, I don't even download my banking apps from my bank. I just go into my bank and I do business because that's my finances. Uh, so I'm not doing any financial banking online or uh, on my computer. I keep it to a minimum. Other than to make a payment, I can set up. I can go online and set up. Um, auto pay on some things, but I'm not doing financial transactions in terms of anything else than uh, uh, setting up some auto pays with my uh, vendors. But in terms of me actually depositing money, moving money, or anything like that, I keep all that offline. I just go in old school and uh, sit down and do all that at my bank. Um, I, I've already had my um, ID 
um, uh, uh, copied or, you know, I, I had my ID uh, stolen while I was on a business trip. And that, that was over well over 10 years ago. And I learned a hard lesson from that. People were buying plane tickets all over the world. I didn't end up having to pay for it, but it cost me about six months of changing bank accounts, changing phone numbers, changing my, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, other other uh, information that was a key to my uh, ID and everything. I had to go through all of that headache, and I learned the hard way uh, back then. So I just keep all of that stuff offline, and I do as minimal regarding financial transactions online, maybe other than buying a concert ticket or or something like that, but I keep it at a very, very bare minimum. Rex, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. That was Rex Lee, Cybersecurity Advisor at My Smart Privacy. Thanks for watching China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. See you soon.